0: Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. This is Joe Lynch with the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is transforming the shipper freight forwarder relationship with Sarah Barnes Humphrey. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hi, Joe. I am so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on your show.
0: Thank you so much for being on my show. I know you're used to being on the other side of the microphone where you're, well, you're still on the same side of the microphone. You're normally used to interviewing people on your podcast. So I'm very thrilled to have you on mine. I'm excited to talk about this topic. We talked a little bit, well, a little bit, a lot offline about what you're up to. And I definitely know there is a problem with the shipper freight forwarder relationship, especially among some of the uh, smaller mid markets. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. But before we do that, Please introduce yourself and your company and where you live.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Sarah Barnes Humphrey, I am the CEO of Ships, and we're going to be talking mostly about that company. But I'm also the host and founder of Let's Talk Supply Chain. And I'm coming at you from just outside of Toronto.
0: Uh, I love Toronto. I was just in a meeting about Toronto. It's, I live in Michigan, so I'm like about four and a half hours from Toronto, depending on if you hit the traffic. Yeah. I love that city. And and I, when I was growing up, I would always have to go, not always have to go. We always played hockey against teams in Toronto. So it was always such a thrill. We'd go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I know my mom and dad didn't always, want to, my mom didn't want to go, but we loved it. Toronto is a great city.
1: Yeah, I love it. I've been here uh, quite a while. I did spend a few years out in Vancouver as well. So I've had a taste of... Oh, I love that city too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love it there. I was just out that way. My daughter lives out in that side of the world. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you ended up... Well, I'm sorry, we didn't get too far. Tell us a little bit about what your company does. It ships...
1: Sure, yeah. So we are bringing small to mid-market shippers together with freight forwarders in an ecosystem for a better way for them to be able to quote on their international ocean freight and air freight shipments.
0: Cool. And you spell that ships? How do you spell that?
1: So S-H-I-P-Z or Z. So the Americans like to call the company Ship Z. Because I'm Canadian, I use a Z, so I call it Ships. And it's still up for debate. We actually have a pretty cool video out right now that is a play on the title that everybody, you know, is using for the company right now.
0: I just had AJ Kanajawa on my podcast, and he's a great guy. His company is called Fulfilled, but the way he spells it is F-U-L-F-Y-L-D. And so every time he says it, I say, spell it, spell it. So yeah, so you were, <laughs> you were ship Z, ship Z, or uh, just ships. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But tell us a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to school and how you ended up starting both the podcast and this new freight forwarding tech company.
1: Sure. Yeah. So in the early days, I grew up just outside of Toronto in a city called Mississauga. And my dad actually started a freight forwarding company while we were living in Mississauga. And then they had opened up a Vancouver branch and we needed to go and spend a couple of years out there to really build the Vancouver branch as well. So I actually spent high school out in a little town called White Rock in BC, which is right on the border, right on the water. A beautiful place to grow up. So I was very, very lucky. But after high school, actually before I finished high school, my dad came back to Toronto. And then after high school, I quickly followed and I went into the family business. And and so we had a 3PL, you know, it was ocean freight, air freight, trucking, warehousing eventually, customs eventually. And, you know, he had that business for over 25 years. And so I was really lucky because I got to start as reception. So I really got a sense from the phone calls and the different things that I had to do as reception as to what really transpired in a 3PL and what it took to really run in the different departments and what everybody kind of did. And then I moved into trucking. So I spent a few years in trucking and then I did some specialized sales in the white glove area. And then I ended up in international operations. And so I was handling air freight shipments, ocean freight shipments. I ended up in warehousing for a little bit of that. And I was also helping out customs because I was always wanting to learn. And while I was doing all of this, I actually took most of my secondary education by correspondence while I was getting wow. my experience. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have my CITP. I got my international trade diploma over those years. I also tried some different things in supply chain. So I tried some supply chain management courses. I tried customs courses just to sort of get an idea of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do in supply chain. And then from there, I went into sales. So I ended up selling air freight, ocean freight, warehousing, cross dock services, you know, customs, you name it you know, I was kind of selling it. And from there, I ended up as director of sales and marketing in the last couple of years of the company. And it was an interesting time because I got the question, why do we need a website? (laughs)
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you know, because at that time, freight forwarders, they weren't really marketing themselves. They didn't really understand why they needed a robust website. We still had a pretty clunky old style website. And so it took a little bit of convincing, but I ended up changing the website. I ended up rebranding the company, which was a, an amazing experience. But what I also found was that there wasn't really anywhere for us to tell our story. Right. How did we differentiate ourselves and how did we tell the story? Well, there was the traditional ways of sending out a salesperson and spending a ton of money, you know, on their car, their gas, their time, sending out the salespeople to try to get business and, you know, convincing people in person what that meant and how we were different and why they needed to work with us.
0: Sarah, if I could jump in on that, just, you know it's your story, but one of the things that I struggle with is when I hear people say, you know, we grew this way and many companies did grow through cold calling or people on the road. Yeah. But now if you're buying something, if you're buying a new car or if you're buying a new house or looking for a school for your kid or your next vacation, it all begins online. I think 90 plus percent of B2B buyers look on the internet first. And yeah. so they could be looking for a new freight forwarder because they're a little dissatisfied. They could be looking, you know, six months or a year in advance going, you know, I'm not so sure this is the right guy for me. And yeah. you don't want to be the one who said, oh, yeah, I think the way I'm, I sell is only via phone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No yeah. denying you need the phone for sure. You got to still make those calls, but it doesn't hurt to have a nice website to tell your story, as, as you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, well and this is kind of my transition into the digital media space. Because at the time I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I was like, there's nowhere for me to really tell our story. And so I was like, Well, if Lewis Howes can start a podcast, why can't I start a podcast? (laughs) And so I don't know if you know Lewis Howes, but his podcast is the school of greatness and it's really, really good.
0: I do know of him. I follow him on I think I follow him on Facebook or something. I don't listen to his podcast yet, but I will check it out. I know he played college football and I like college football.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I ended up starting a podcast. I uh, had a team at the time. I grabbed a guy from my customs department, asked him if he wanted to be my co-host, and we started Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. (laughs) And we called it that because it was just fun and I was testing the market just to see what was out there. And it was right. a guy and a girl. And, you know, and then at the exact same time, I realized that there was a huge gap between freight forwarders and shippers because I was selling to mid-market shippers and I was also working for a forwarder. So simultaneously, I built this podcast and I was also in the throes of starting ships. And so I kind of built everything simultaneously. Unfortunately, in the fall of 2017, we closed the doors of my dad's business. And I was literally thrust into entrepreneurship because I had this podcast and I had guests already lined up, but I lost my whole team. I lost my co-host. And so I had to figure out how to do graphic design and websites and everything. I mean, (laughs) you name it, I had to figure out what to do on the podcast. So I kept the podcast going, you know, while at the same time building this tech platform. And I started the Woman in Supply Chain series in April 2018. I rebranded to Let's Talk Supply Chain. And it's kind of been history since then. You know, people have really been following the journey and kind of know where we've gone since then. And, And it's taken us a while to get ships off the ground. But that's what happens in tech. And that's what happens when you've been bootstrapped.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the story you told there, yeah, fantastic experience. But, you know, the trials and tribulations are what makes us, you know, I always think that the struggles we have, as much as we wish we didn't have to go through them sometimes, it's what makes us better. And I think of, you know, every time I talk to, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, I talk to a lot of innovators, everybody's got kind of their like, oh, and then I hit Rock bottom, or then this went wrong, and that went wrong. It's usually, you know, when you hear a, an entrepreneur like yourself who's had some success, when you talk to them, all you hear is like, "Then this went wrong, then this went wrong, then this went wrong." <laughs> <And> you're <laughs> like, "But you're just, you're still here, and you're getting better every day." Which congratulations to, for that.
1: Thank you. I mean, if you have an hour, we can go into that. <laughs> <I
0: don't> know. Think- <laughs> so <laughs> today's topic is transforming the shipper freight forwarder relationship. And we talked a little bit about this offline. And my first question is, why does it need to be transformed? What's wrong with the shipper freight forwarder experience right
1: now? I don't know if we have enough time for this. No, (laughs) we're going to talk about this. So there's a lot of gaps, right? Like freight forwarders are doing a lot of work. They're doing a lot of work for free. They're doing a lot of work for their customers that has just traditionally been expected. And when the margins were what they were, you know, pre 2008, it was fine. But now with the, the growing competition and so much more and You know, the investment in marketing, the investment in tech, right? That all takes money.
0: Wait, hold up. What's the difference between margins pre-2008? I don't know this, but what were the margins in freight forwarding prior to 2008? What would you say they are now on average?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if I could give you an average as far as percentage, but I do know, you know, pre 2008, there was a lot more healthy margins, especially like I can tell you the perspective from Canada, from a customs perspective, margins in customs were really, really high pre 2008. And then everybody was vying for business after the crash of 2008. And so everybody was undercutting everybody until it got to the point where (laughs) customs was no longer as profitable as it was before. It's still profitable, but. It was, and the same kind of happened with international shipping, right?
0: So they could handle the extra hassle a little more yeah. easily when they had those fatter margins. Um, so go on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think we should just talk about some of those hassles, right? So freight forwarders or shippers, I guess, are looking for costing. So they go and they source the product potentially for their customer. You know, they want to buy the product from their shipper, but they also need to take into account the shipping costs. Well, how do they figure out those shipping costs? They go to a freight forwarder and they ask them for the shipping costs. Well, when you go to a freight forwarder and you ask them for the shipping costs, you don't have a shipment that's ready. Freight forwarders work and make money on shipments that are ready. They don't work and make money on just costing but they feel like they have to cost because they don't want to lose the customer. They don't want the customer to go to somebody else, right? Right. So they're doing all of this work for free and it creates resentment, right? Because they're like, I'm doing all this work and I'm not necessarily going to get the shipment when it's booked because they're going to come back to me when the shipment's ready and get another quote And then they're going to get three to five other quotes from other freight forwarders. And I don't necessarily get the shipment. So that's one issue, you know, that the freight forwarders face. And the other one is acting as a bank. So they don't get paid by the customer for 30 to 45 days. But what the shippers may or may not know is that the freight forwarders are paying the steamship lines or the co-loaders or the airlines to get the shipment released. And so they're actually paying out money 15 to 30 days before they're getting paid by the customer. And so they're really bridging the gap financially on those transactions. And so that's not ideal for them as well. And so I think that really there's frustrations on both parts. You said it perfectly offline. You know, there's frustrations from both sides. Shippers are frustrated with freight forwarders because everything is still really done manually with email. And they don't feel like they're getting their quotations back fast enough. And, you know, so Frustrations on both sides. And so there's really a way that we can bridge that gap and make sure that both sides have what they need.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the getting quotations so you can quote the business. And I know that's a requirement. And that sometimes happens in the transportation on the freight side of the trucking side. And I know how annoying it can be when, you know, I'll call a friend and say, hey, could you help me out with just give me some quotes on this? And they'll always say, is this a real opportunity just calling yeah. to get rates? And I'll be honest and say, now how I feel about it is if I'm going to bother you to get good rates, then I should make the an introduction and say, is there an opportunity? to actually move the freight because you use the term offline, Freight forwarders feel used, and so mm-hmm. sometimes does shippers. They feel like they're yeah. being abused. And it's, and mm-hmm. obviously, that's no way to start a relationship. And I think nope. the key to success is business relationships. But anyway, continue on. Talk a little bit about the frustrations of both sides.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, so I, I've kind of covered that. And then freight forwarders are also doing a lot on the consulting side for small to medium-sized businesses. Because they don't have the teams that the enterprise companies do from a traffic perspective, right? And... They have to really guide and help and give some, you know, consulting really to the traffic department in some respects so that they know how to ship it. And that's for free as well. They don't get paid for that. What freight forwarders get paid to do is move cargo. Their margin is based on moving that cargo. However, the margin that they're making right now is going to salespeople, it's going to operations people, it's going to marketing, it's going to technology.
0: And consultants, yeah. And I think you mentioned small and Mm mid-market. That is another always a problem I hear about. When you're working with a large multinational who says, yeah, we move thousands of containers a year, they have Mm -hmm. a big team internally. They have the expertise. They have the investment if they need to because they, they say, we'll always invest in the process. We will always do something to improve things. Yeah. It's the small guy who says, I just need five containers, right? It's the yeah. mid-market guy. He, he says, we don't have a traffic department. You we know, yeah. have me. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, and you, you bring up a good point because on the shippers' side, they don't have enough time to really look into the market and see what's out there. So they're getting inundated with sales calls from forwarders. Right. (laughs) And they don't have time to answer every single one of those. They don't have time to really look outside of what they're currently doing to see what other forwarders are on the market. And what's really interesting is that, you know, the forwarders are quoting on everything because they don't want to lose a customer. But the customers aren't really getting the benefit of that because the freight forwarders that they're going to may or may not be good at that lane.
0: Right. And would also say this. Right now, if you put me in charge of a small free forwarding, if I was a shipper and I was responsible for getting stuff moved from Europe or Asia to here, I would Mm -hmm. struggle with the idea of how do I get good quotes without being abusive? Because I still want to be able to say, I got some, you know, I want to quote from XYZ. I want to quote from ABC. I want to know because if the boss comes back and says, are we getting a good price? I want to be able to say, Yeah, I quoted a few people or, you know, I have some sort of intelligence on it and I would not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and also the challenge there, too, is like really figuring out if you're comparing apples to apples right? Because a right. lot of times you're getting <laughs> different quotes from different forwarders that are formatted differently, that could have, you know, stuff in the terms and conditions. So if you don't read through it, like it's just a nightmare.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, that's another thing. And, and I know it's all legit. I'm not complaining about the business. It's just, I didn't, I don't fully understand all that. When you get that quote back from a freight forwarder, and you go, okay, this is something, you know, this fee for $45, I guess, I don't know. I mean, for all I know, it could be fake. I mean, I I think most people are honest, but there always seems to be these costs and you're like, this is all legit. (laughs) This all seems like a lot of nonsense.
1: Anyway, so
0: let's switch gears. So this relationship is broken and it's both sides feel abused and used a little bit. So I know there's this next generation and you're part of it of freight forwarders who are trying to bring stuff into like digital order. So talk a little bit about what can be done to straighten out this mess.
1: Sure. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what we're doing at Ships is just really taking what everybody's doing, listening to them, understanding the frustrations and the things that need to be fixed on both sides and bringing that into a platform that everybody's going to really want to use and that's going to help them in their day-to-day lives. So it's not about creating something that they have to really learn to use, right? And not something that we have to teach them and not something that's five steps ahead. It's going to meet them where they are and just, you know, make it that much more efficient and really bring the two parties together. And so the way that we're going to be doing that is we're going to be able to offer the shippers a way to be able to cost their shipments without bugging a freight forwarder. That is huge on its own because then you relieve the freight forwarders and the shippers get real time at their fingertips pricing that they can give to their purchasing team to put into their quotes to get back to their customers faster.
0: So Sarah, if that's great that they get this, the shipper gets a price, but where mm-hmm. it come from if it didn't come from a freight forwarder?
1: So we're bringing in data. So industry average data.
0: Ah, I like it.
1: <laughs> that we're going to be able to use. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and is it all in
1: price? for the most part it's not necessary it's going to be more port to port but then we're also going to have some functionality where we can let you know how much to put on for the rest of it nice. like a percentage nice yeah. yeah 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 and so the forwarders are going to be happy with that because what's going to happen is the shippers are going to get their costing price and then when they're ready to ship that's when they're going to go to the freight forwarder which should happen now, anyways, that's when they're going to go to the freight forwarder, request a quote. They're going to be able to request it from the freight forwarders that are good at those lanes, that want to quote those lanes. And oh, nice. they're going to be able to compare apples to apples because we've got standardized terms and conditions. It's going to be in our quote format.
0: So this is they're going to be able to get quotes from multiple freight forwarders. Yep. Obviously, they're bidding. So this is kind of like I know it's probably an overused term, but this is like a platform or a marketplace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're actually the first ones on the market to be transparent in our pricing as well. So we have the pricing because it's a SaaS model. And so which is software uh, as a service.
0: Right. appreciate um, you saying that. So what is yeah, that? Yeah. Mean? So how does uh, so explain how that works a little bit with the transparency. So for the freight
1: forwarders, yeah, so for the freight forwarders it's free to sign up. For the shippers, they're going to be paying either on a monthly or a yearly basis with a discount. And so a lot of our competitors aren't putting the pricing on their website. And so it's kind of a surprise later on. Whereas we want to be as transparent as possible. We want to, you know, follow the Zapier model. You know, we want to follow, you know, the other tech companies and the other industries when it comes to being transparent, especially on the pricing side. And so that's what we've decided to do.
0: So say it one more time. You mentioned Zapier, that's the software company. I know I've used them <laughs> for some projects to automate some things, but describe again a little bit about the pricing model and why it's transparent.
1: Yeah. So we're, I mean, one of the main reasons why it's transparent is that it's visible on our website. That sets us apart from the competition right there. The other thing is that it's going to be, you can sign up for a monthly fee or you can sign up for a yearly fee at a discount, just like you would with any other service, right? MailChimp, for example, where you you can pay monthly or you can pay yearly with a discount. FreshBooks, for example. Okay yeah. so your
0: so so it's not so your fees are transparent and what about and so they're getting if you're the shipper I'm paying that monthly but ideally I'm saving money and I'm saving hassle cuz you've streamlined the process of getting quotes that I can use when I'm in the sales process and then getting quotes apples to apples quotes from multiple freight forwarders when I'm actually ready to ship
1: yeah and you're getting the benefit of you know posted rates and real time rates I like it.
0: I like it. I'll tell you, it is not easy. I can say this. I've just never worked at a freight forwarder, but I have gotten quotes back for customers in the past. And it is never a quick and easy process. I'm I'm sure I will say this, that's probably been seven, eight years since I've done it. I suspect it's a lot faster and easier, but I know there's just a lot that goes into it. It's. I think somebody told me this years ago that if you look at a shipment, a trucking shipment, there's the shipper, there's the receiver, and there's a trucking company, and maybe there's a 3PL or broker in the middle. And then we compare that to a freight forwarding shipment where there are so many more people, where there might mm-hmm. be four or five people involved in a trucking transaction that's domestic. I think it's 14 yeah. or 15 people involved in a freight forwarding. And probably three mm-hmm. or four different companies, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you think about it from... You know, an efficiency standpoint on both sides, right, is that the freight forwarders are going to be able to use the ship's platform as a marketing opportunity, as a sales opportunity, because you're going to be given access to shippers globally when, you know, typically you're sending a salesperson out and it costs you a fortune just to land one client who is on a transactional basis anyways right? It's not somebody that you potentially sign a contract with. It's the ones that are on the, the transactional basis that you land, but you don't have a contract to see through for the next year. Yep. And then, you know, on the shippers side, they're spending a lot of time. A lot of time going through all those quotes, getting those quotes, waiting on the quotes, <laughs> you know, benchmarking for their purchasing department. So we're going to be able to streamline and make that efficient all around.
0: I like it. I like it. And again, I'm, I'm a big believer that you need good relationships between your shippers and your service providers. And I think so often these relationships get frayed, especially it sounds like in freight forwarding because of mm-hmm. this, how hard it is to get a quote and then, you know, develop a quote, I should say. And then you don't get the business later on When you go, didn't I just quote like 10 shipments to help you get your project and then I don't win? Are you kidding yeah. me? I
1: know, I know. And we're actually going to be able to give the freight forwarders some non-competitive data that they don't have access to when they're quoting the customer directly because they don't know what they're going up against unless the customer tells them and they don't get feedback unless the customer tells them. So we're going to be able to provide that. We're also going to keep everybody honest using a rating and review system eventually as well.
0: So Sarah, if you don't mind, give me just a, a few bullet points here, a little summary. What are the current problems? first for the shippers and then also for the freight forwarders, and then talk about this a solution that, you know, again, using a platform like yours would provide.
1: Sure, yeah. So for the shippers, it's obviously that, that frustrating process of having to email and do things manually to get quotes. But the problem that they're having is they're going to three to five different forwarders that they always go to, and they don't know if the forwarders are good at those lanes, and they're getting all sorts of quotes back, and they have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and, you know, apples to apples, they're not even sure if that's what they're getting. On the freight forwarding side, they're doing a lot for free. They're consulting, they're doing costing, not particularly... You know, getting the shipment and they're acting as a bank. And so our solution is going to be able to cover all of that. Oh, plus they're not getting that non competitive data that I was talking about. And so our platform is going to cover all of that. We're going to handle the payment for the freight forwarder. They're going to be able to get paid a lot sooner than they would dealing with the customer directly. We're going to take care of the costing with the shipper. So the freight forwarder only hears from the shipper once they're ready to go. And the shipper is going to know that they're going to know all of the charges front, they're going to be able to have more choice worldwide as far as freight forwarders. And they're going to know that those forwarders are good at those lanes and that they're going to be able to get the pricing that they want. And through a system that's going to give them ease of access to those freight forwarders. And yeah. That's
0: a nice, that's a nice solution.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to come. We've got a lot of plans and a lot more features that we want to obviously put into the platform that will come later.
0: Well, the first step is always getting these things started. And I can, yeah, I know we talked offline and I'm not going to spill the beans here, but I think the idea of once you begin a marketplace like this, we all know where it's headed because we're also used to using Amazon and eBay and all these other tools where you go, oh, I bet they could do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And you uh, no doubt will do some of those things. It sounds like a really nice solution just from a perspective of the frustration that's on both sides. So tell us a little bit about what's going on over at Ships Ships Z or Ships (laughs) and also talk (laughs) a little bit about Let's Talk Supply Chain. Tell us a little bit what's going on over there.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Ships, by the time this comes out, we would have launched. And so We're going to be obviously onboarding freight forwarders and shippers. We want mid-market shippers, small to medium size, and freight forwarders to come to Ships.com and sign up. For both sides, it's free. The shippers do get a 14-day trial. And so I would encourage everybody to go there and sign up. And then we're going to be doing some feedback on both sides as well. We really want to gather that feedback. And then on the Let's Talk Supply Chain side, we've got a lot of great things going on right now. We are releasing mini-series, mini-podcast series that are a lot of fun. We've already started in August and uh, we're going to be doing that right through the end of the year and into next year. I'm working on a diversity and inclusion series as well because I think that's really, really important for the industry and just going to be part, just really you know, being a part of the supply chain community and moderating panels at some upcoming events, some really, really cool upcoming events, being a guest. So being on both sides of the mic and really helping to promote and drive ships and also being able to help promote the stories of the supply chain services that are in the industry as well because that's really what our podcast is all about.
0: Well, this is awesome. That sounds like you're a busy, busy gal. So what I'll do, Sarah, is I'll put a link to SHIP's or Ship Z, or however you want to pronounce it. And we'll let the market decide what they're going to call it. That's right. As long as they pay, right?
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'll also put a, a link to your podcast and any upcoming events you might have on the supply chain, Talking supply chain or the, uh, or let's talk supply chain and ships. And this is great. I really do appreciate you taking the time, Sarah.
1: Thank you, Joe. I just really appreciate you having me on the show so we can, you know, we can talk a little bit about what we're working on. I love what you are doing and what you bring to the industry. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: You have to say that.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I really, I really enjoy it. I honestly, I think that there are so many amazing perspectives. And I think there's so much that we can bring to the community and really learn from each other. And I think that you are doing that you know, yep. with your podcast and what you're doing. And I really enjoy watching other people do it as well because yep. we are a community and, you know, it's just great to learn from one another.
0: I do love listening to your podcast. And I will say this to anyone who's listening is the cool thing about my podcast. It's, it's nice when somebody says, oh, I listen to your podcast. That's always great. When somebody says, I learned this, that's always great. Some of the best part of my podcast though is who I get to meet. And I've learned mm-hmm. so much. I was telling somebody the other day, I heard about three new business models last week. I would have never been exposed to that. And those weren't all on my podcast. Some of it was prepping for podcasts, hearing what you're doing on freight forwarding. I guess I could have read the article, but instead I get to talk to the actual founder of these mm-hmm. companies. And it's just, it's a great way to meet people. And I do encourage people. If you're driven that way, definitely do a podcast because there is some, uh, everyone's got something to share, as you mentioned.
1: Yeah, and there's so much innovation happening right now that just, you know, talking to to everybody. (laughs) Yeah, well, and getting different perspectives is just, you know, to me is so much fun.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Until next time, Onward and Upward.